Hello? Is this thing on? Hello. Metropolitan Culture Corner is back and I was wearing a different kind of mask today in honor of our guest Uga Perush. He is an actor who has appeared in numerous television shows, short length and feature length films, for example, the 2007 remake of the film Papillon among others and he can do everything from classical works of Shakespeare on stage to performing his own stunts, riding a horseback to dancing to voiceover work in children's movies to puppeteering, but he is best known for his role as Marsella in this little Netflix show you may have heard of in English it's called Money Heist and in Spanish it is called La Casa de Papel and I would be very excited to interview this gentleman even if he were not multi 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 talented because he's also a super nice guy and he's super tall which you know as you guys know a good tall man is hard to find are you ready to go when people ask me why do you do this you want to change being one person another person Yeah, this may be fun for me in that moment when I'm inside it. And what's fun is also exploring to get to the character by doing research and preparation. But still, 80% is that coexistence, collaboration of many, many people to do one product, be it a series, a film, or a theater play. And that nobody can take away that joy from me. We want off the copter now. You ever heard of freedom of the press? Not in Bosnia, sir. No. <laughs> What do I look all bad? Uh, no. Wait, wait. Uh, I'm sorry. My daughter used to Zoom for some of her friend stuff, and and then I have Aurora Borealis behind me. I have no freaking clue why. I saw that. Why is that? You see my Aurora Borealis as well? Yeah, I thought. I don't know. I thought you were being artistic about it. Yeah. Hi, I'm Luca. Well, nice to meet you, and thank you for taking the time. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Originally, you're from Croatia, which is beautiful. Yes. And you've lived in um, so many places: in Vienna, Abu Dhabi, Boston, Los Angeles. Now, I'm sure everybody has asked you this question at some point or another. But yeah, how did you end up in Barcelona? Yeah, because of a, a, a relationship, love relationship that ended up being a proposal, a wedding, a child, a family. So. The first time I was here was for New Year's Eve 2011 and in 48 hours I fell in love with the city plus with uh, my partner of course more and more and I came here for love without any knowledge of mm, castellano or spanish or or uh, or even catalan of course I slowly started on the street learning the language and trying to get jobs uh, in Spain and it was much easier to get jobs here than in Croatia Different working here than than in one country or in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. For in regards in Los Angeles, I didn't do deal the squat as an actor. I did everything else around the film industry that was possible. I was a gopher, uh, props guy, arms manager, driver, as casting assistant, assistant of this and that. I did everything else possible for two years uh, except acting. At one point, I was like, okay, uh, this this is not my life. Let's go back home to Croatia and start anew. Went from again from the bottom up, picking myself up. And you know, Croatia is a small country. Everybody knows each other there, and it's very intertwined. I was like struggling like that for eight, nine years, and here in eight years, I've done more than in 20 years in Croatia. Because here, there's a healthy system of uh, castings, auditions, 
people here know you mostly from La Casa de Papel, but one thing that maybe speaking of other work in, in movies that people may not know is that you've done a ton, a ton of voiceover work, including kids' movies, Toy Story, Boss Baby, you in your Bowie shirt, you are the boss baby. I kind of love that. Also Wolverine, Green Goblin, Optimus Prime, which is super cool. So what is that like to take a character someone else has basically shaped and then turn it into your own in multiple languages? I've done it like 99 or 98% it was from whatever language, mostly English into Croatian. Um, I came up uh, to that job just by goofing off and knowing some people in Zagreb, musicians, etc who were working in such studios for voiceover and we were goofing off at a, at a premiere of some play in one theater in Zagreb and they were like, oh, you, you could be interesting for this and that. So a couple of weeks later, I went in for an audition and I got handed Wolverine, a cartoon from the 90s and also diff two different seasons of Optimus Prime for the Transformers from the 80s. Optimus Prime is easy, you just speak it one one note deeply and with authority and later they're like just throw on effects, etc. One note deeply and with authority. So that wasn't very challenging, but it was important in my life because I was a super Transformers freak, you know. And then it just evolved and I got more and more jobs. I got better at it. It's really one of my favorite parts of the gig of, of this circus of ours because I always loved cartoons and anything in that. I'm still a kid, 43 years of age. The reason I said multiple languages was because then you ended up overdubbing yourself in La Casa de Papel in <laughs> yeah. five languages, is that right? I mean, it's like, hey, yeah. you want to be in this series, do you want to be in this series six times? Um, honestly, growing up in Vienna for five years, mid-80s, I, I started to read and write in German. So I got used to dubbed uh, movies and TV series. It was very strange to listen to, from Jerry Lewis to Bruce Willis or whoever, those actors, in their original voice later, and then I saw some projects of myself being dubbed by God knows who. And I'm very, I'm very meticulous about the dubbing and I want it to be done 100%. I asked Netflix, listen guys, could I try? I had friends record my text with me, so just for the diction, and I would repeat it and then I would paint over my emotion and give my voice to it. It also worked out fine because in the original Marseille, he's already a foreigner. So in Spanish, he already has an accent. So you could have an accent in all the other five languages. That's the kind of thing that maybe people watching a television show or a movie that you've been in wouldn't think of. Like that there are these very different ways of preparing as well as executing what you do if you're dubbing, if you're in film, if you're in TV or on stage. Of all those things, is there one that you feel more at home doing? There's, there's such beautiful elements in each one of the, the fields of our profession as actors. Each of them have these nuances that I, I, I respect and I adore some of those moments. There are also hard uh, parts of this job to be uh, precise and, and to go into all of it with emotion, which especially on, uh, on film and TV, you don't have that much time to prepare. You have to come there and be ready. Boom, boom, boom. It's very hard. I've done a movie for the Venice Film Festival three weeks ago in Madrid, two weeks ago. We finally finished those two night shoots for me. And um, it was very rushed and it was a very emotional role. So. In theater, you, with repetition of rehearsal for six weeks, eight weeks, ten weeks, you can get these nuances and you can already be prepared. It's written film. On TV and uh, film, it's not like that. So all of these are challenges and, and I adore it. Uh, it keeps me awake at night, but it's rewarding. I, I cannot imagine doing something else. I really cannot. You graduated with a degree mm -hmm. in acting from Emerson. Yeah. So was there a particular coach or a professor there or anywhere or a yeah. director that really, really helped you find your process the way that you do it? 
I, I was blessed with really amazing teachers at Emerson College and the creator of the acting program was Kristen Linklater and it, there is a, her own method of voice and body warm-up and technique, uh, let's say, how to Res, you know, have respect for your voice, how to get into the knowledge of yourself and analyzing. It is two years we spent pretty much either on the ground rolling and doing weird exercises and massaging our faces and also mental and emotional recognition of your well of, of, of uh, energy, of uh, memories, etc. With time, they introduced it to other techniques and uh, acting kind of uh, teachings in the last hundred years from Stanislavski on. And I, my recommendation for all actors is always like cherry pick what you like, what feels good for you. There's different techniques, but you have to create your own world. It's never perfect, which I also love about my job. It's, it's, it's insanely difficult to make something perfect. I'm never happy with what I've done. Never, ever, 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 never. Because I always find something like, I cringe a little bit. Ah, I and many times, you know, it's not in your, it's not in your hands, especially on film and television, because later they edit you out, uh, etc. So there's many, many things that can happen. So is there is there a project that maybe isn't as well known, for example, as this as this TV show that for you is just just really special, and you wish that maybe more people knew about it? But for you, it's like one of the ones that's really close to your heart. I, I'm very proud of what we've done with Papillon, the remake of Papillon with Charlie Hunnam and Rami Malek. Thought she grew wings, didn't you? And, and I'm very proud of the photographer of Mauthausen with Mario Casas. Offiziell ist er tot. Sogar seine Familie wurde benachrichtigt. Kannst du mir bitte sagen, wie das passieren konnte? Which is a Nazi uh, uh, concentration camp movie, a story of a Catalan photographer who was in prison. And uh, that was a very difficult role, a very violent and really depressing role, of course, as, as that whole time period was. And, and it left me pretty dirty in myself because I, I realized I can, I can sum up uh, such emotions and such rage and hate to really portray that bastard well. It, it cost me, but it's worth checking out. I usually get the bad guys. I'm I'm one I'm six foot three, one meter ninety-two. They usually give me these stupid roles of these bad guys who scream and growl and kill and beat up and so on. And I'm not like that. I swear I'm not. <laughs> I saw an interview with you where someone asked you about the the character you do in Casa de Papel in Marseille, that mm -hmm. this like Sicario type guy and that he loves animals. And uh, the, the woman, I think she was a Cuban journalist. Said, ah, yeah. What else is similar? What other similarities do you have? And you sort of paused and said, I like animals. <laughs> in this particular script though, there wasn't that much to go on in the first few pages of your character's life, right? In the, the fourth season, you developed a lot more. How yeah. did you make choices as an actor if you weren't really given that much material? It was really hard. So for instance, you know, I just mentioned that Carl Schultz, the Nazi, it was, it was even harder on that sense of not knowing where to draw from. I mean, everything has to have a point. You have to be alive in a scene. I, it seemed like I was the big hunk of a guy in the back, like, 
silent and not saying anything for like three episodes. So you cannot sit there neutral. You have to be active and then you have to create your own story. The directors, producers, whatever, the creators of the show didn't give me any information whatsoever apart from the first day of shoot. Who is he? He's a Sicario. And I was like, come again. I consciously decided who I knew, not knowing exactly how and so on, but you know, I know this guy and that one and the rest I don't. I didn't tell that to the producers or directors. I just played it like that. I didn't have many days a month to shoot. Three days tops for four months. So you're waiting and you're like, I'm in Casa Papel, I want to work. Let me play, let me play, let me play, let me play. And they're like, no, next week you're not shooting. Mm -hmm. And then when the script came out for the four scene, I was like, oh, 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 what is this? Oh, hmm. And then, then they gave me something with meat to it, so character. So with this fourth season, then because you did have all this extra meat and all this extra stuff to work with, so did you have more fun or was the dynamic on set different for you? It was a bigger challenge of me to be more focused, to understand where they want to go. Because uh, the audience needs to understand these crazy people, the creators of Casa de Papel, keep changing the script over and over again when they see something is working differently and they can, oh, we should try this and go this way. And they like make it on the spot and you're like, okay, 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 all right. Let's adapt, let's adapt. And it's like that for every one of the actors. Nobody knows what's gonna happen. You have to be, you know, on your tiptoes the whole time. And, you know, whenever we start the fifth season, I have no clue where they wanna go with the fifth season. I have myself a million possible <laughs> things that can happen. And I think they have five million things that can happen. Uh, what was it like for you guys to, after all this work and after getting to the point that you've, you've gotten to with the show, um, what was it like to have to release this new season in the middle of a global pandemic? When this uh, whole damage started happening in March, I spoke to some people and I told them like, you know, and they have usual, regular, normal jobs, normal people, not freaks like us. And, um, and I said, I'm used to not being paid or not receiving money for months on end or what am I going to do with my time? I've been living 15 years like this. I was looking forward to seeing my colleagues uh, before the actual release of the series. So that's the kind of what I'm sad about because I, I missed them. We didn't have a chance to see each other since August or July from last year. And um, regarding the quarantine, it was <laughs> it, it was professionally amazing because everybody was at home, didn't have any other freaking thing to do than watch any kind of streaming platforms and series, series, movies and whatnot, because everybody was at home. Now, the, the second positive thing about uh, the pandemic is and I'm adamant uh, user of mascarillas or face masks, and I do implore people to do that. Uh, people don't recognize it, which is great. Ha. So you can go around now like incognito and you don't get asked for autographs. And people really don't bug in Barcelona that much, but there in the center of Madrid, I was killed. I was killed and it's new to me. I'm not used to it. Uh, it's part of the job. I don't complain about it, not at all. If people are polite, everything is fine. You, you currently have a few projects in pre-production, from what I understand, and you said you just finished shooting a film, so I'm sure you can't do any spoilers, but is there anything that you can tell us that you're working on that you're excited about? Uh, I hope we're gonna start at the end of the summer. I have no clue. I don't have any dates at all. I don't know when we're gonna go back to work. I really want to as soon as possible. Uh, and that project that I've done, it's uh, like a college art program for the Venice Film Festival. Pedro Collantes is a young director from Madrid who got funds uh, for his project from the Venice Film Festival. And now it's going to be aired, well, shown 
in uh, Venice this uh, this September, and that's the only thing that I I know that I have or had, and everything else is a big gray cloud of je ne sais quoi. <laughs> I I I will not lie about that. Total pleasure to have the chance to talk to you. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Tori, and uh, nothing. I thank you to all the readers or viewers of uh, Metropolitan Barcelona. We'll see you somewhere on a, a cafe con leche or something on the streets of Varna. Thank you so much, Lucas. And I wanted to give a special shout out to the club with Lucas every Tuesday morning on Radio Canal Barcelona for making this interview possible today. Lucas, now Luca, two different guys, both highly counted. Tune in next month to the Metropolitan Culture Corner, the first Monday of every month, and subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. Come on now, because we don't want you to miss anything. And uh, culture doesn't stop, so not every week. You know, that's how it goes. Be safe. See you next time.